Forward, a Fiserv podcast, features conversations with the people moving financial services and commerce forward. Here's your host, Jason Hendricks with Fintech Forge. Tim Cahill, the founder of Outside Magazine, once said a journey is best measured in friends rather than miles. In this episode of the Fiserv Forward podcast, my new friend, Virginia Hayburn, Vice President of Strategy and Business Development at Fiserv, and I discuss the journey to open banking. The journey is not a short one, so pack a lunch and be prepared to make new friends. In her role advising financial service executives on industry and consumer trends, business drivers, and technology strategies that align with a faster pace of innovation, she is continually pushing the need to get closer to our customers. Oh, and she's a passionate traveler, which makes this quote all the more fitting. One doesn't have to look far in a conference agenda or industry piece, even in these virtual times, and not see the phrase open banking. I mean, it's used with wild abandon at this point. In the course of many conversations, I find myself thinking, I don't think that means what you think that means. And Virginia, I can only imagine, given the conversations you have, you know, you're experiencing that a hundredfold. Oh, without question, you know, and and I think one of the big mis- misconceptions in our industry is that open banking is something entirely new, right? We come up with these buzzwords every few years that sort of uh, trick us into believing that we're reinventing the entire industry as we go along here, and that's just not the case. Open banking is something that has been on a continuum for a good many years, right? And I think it, it begs the question, what exactly is it even, right? Because we've got thousands of financial institutions in this industry, it's gonna mean different things to different institutions. Yeah, well, it's almost, you know, in 2017, when the EU enacted PSD2, right? And we moved from lowercase O, lowercase B to uppercase O, uppercase B, right? It's like put the line in the sand and it became the buzzword. But talk more about, you know, What's the range of things that it could mean to institutions? Sure, absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that is so distinctive about the U.S. market versus, say, what's happened in Europe around open banking, nothing like compliance to drive innovation, right? That really gets us inspired <laughs> to uh, to reimagine an experience and make it better. But here in the U.S., uh, it's it's really built on the back of this whole idea that customers and credit union members believe that they have more and better options. Just look how fast, you know, a generation will abandon one social media platform for another simply because they don't consider it to be cool anymore. So when you talk about what's possible for financial institutions of all sizes, right, you know, we tend to focus on open banking being this avenue toward partnerships with fintechs, where essentially the industry is making banking functionality available to fintechs in uh, partnership and cooperation. Absolutely possible. Not really something in the near term that a, a community bank or a small credit union would want to entertain. So when we think of open banking, you know, let's talk about a better model of interoperability within the institution. In other words, integration has not been great in our industry over the past many decades, right? So we're talking here about a fundamental shift from integration to true interoperability of systems, whereby the experience that a customer or a member has on one side of that experience is consistent, it's clean, it's seamless, it's fast, uh, and it's easy but it's also the experience the associate has, 
yeah. as they are they are interacting with that customer or member. So that's that 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 model of integration. It's integration in a modern context that then gets extended. Right, Jason, it gets extended to all the third parties that a financial institution would work with to theoretically create an experience. So, for example, you know, it's separate vendor for mobile banking, separate vendor for, say, risk management, how to make those systems talk to each other in a far more effective, efficient way. That, too, is the promise of open banking. I mean, another buzzword to throw into the mix here that is massively misused is really the definition of omnichannel right, where it gets thrown around a lot. And I think most people say the definition is you can, regardless of which channel, you can do exactly the same things. And to me, that doesn't make a ton of sense because I want to do different things on my phone than I want to do on my tablet than I want to do in the branch. And this idea of interoperability, right, like it, it kind of takes the sexy factor out of it and saying, oh, it's FinTech partnership. It's like, no, it's actually around how data flows in a strategy. How do the institutions need to begin to approach that? Well, I think uh, first and foremost, uh, understanding that it's not about the channel, it's about the experience that the customer is having with the financial institution. And here's the fallacy of, of innovation and financial services. In my mind, over the past many years, we have centered our innovation strategies very firmly around products in this industry right? Innovate around loan products, innovate around deposit products and how customers and members access those. But we have not adequately innovated around the technologies that power the experience, mm -hmm. right? And that's where open banking comes in, where better interoperability comes into play. And it doesn't move us to a world where we are uh, in using one channel, one yep. channel, the channels are distinct different customer and member groups are going to use different channels for different things. But in a real world scenario, imagine either you or I wanting to apply for a loan. Are we really gonna do that in one sitting? We might, we might not. I might not use the same device. I might pick up a mobile device to start a loan application and then get distracted or just you know, deal with a toddler sitting on my head and then move to the tablet to continue the process online and I can continue that process because as you said, the data is flowing seamlessly. I don't have to re-enter information. I have a clean experience across the board. I can start in one channel, close in another channel. And that, by the way, includes the branch misperception. Again, in our industry, I love talking about this. You know, we think of the distinction between the digital and the physical channel. The branch is a digital channel. It's yes. that the associate is using the technology instead of the customer. Yes, absolutely. And we often forget that, right? Like the branch is part of the channel can be a lazy way to avoid the hard work that needs to be done to rethink the experience, right? I'm going to use an associate as the band-aid for bad process, bad user journeys. You know, uh, you know, we forget the associate themselves is a user and ha should have a journey map, not a, hey, you know, you'll figure it out. Here's a bunch of really bad green screen, you know, interfaces for you to go make up for a poor digital experience. Oh, for sure. And that's that's a recipe for pushing those folks into the gig economy, right? Which is growing like gangbusters right now. The banking industry, the credit union industry needs to be a great place to work. Technology is a piece of that. Yeah. So open banking is much more than slapping an API on the tech stack. It seems for a lot of the smaller banks 
that it's easy to say, you know, this is for the big banks to go do, right? Like, I don't have the resources to go do that. True or false? To an extent, of course, the big banks have, you know, significant resources uh, at their disposal. They have a large IT staffs, but the smaller financial institutions, they partner with their vendors wisely that handle that kind of innovation on their behalf. That's what we do for our clients, as an example. Well, and so how should smaller banks that are dependent on their vendors be thinking about moving from being a vendor relationship to a partner relationship when it comes to innovation? Well, I think it goes back to what I alluded to earlier. You know, our innovation models in the industry have been so centered around products and pricing where there's absolutely zero differentiation. As we start to move innovation models necessarily toward the experience, that's really where the focus comes in on how systems talk to each other how systems talk to each other internally, whether it is a mobile banking solution talking to the core system or it's a risk management system talking to the contact center application, how those systems talk to each other materially influences the experience that a customer or member is going to have. So shifting the conversation with the vendor from a, a vendor context to a strategic partner context is firmly oriented around what's driving the transformation in our industry, and that is the customer. Getting into the mind of the customer, the heart of the customer, understanding, yes, they do have options. What is their voice? And then building strategy around their voice. Yeah, let's talk about building a strategy around their voice, because as long as we're gonna make this episode all about our personal pet peeves and gripes, you know, one of mine is, oh, we're doing something digital. We need a millennial. Go find us a millennial to tell uh -huh. us about digital. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know what? This is a great conversation. Let's go totally old school. The financial industry has completely neglected the baby boomer segment. If you look at what's happened in the last year, the growth that we've seen in digital usage, that's been the headline, but the headline should be, where are those new users coming from? They're coming from the baby boomer segment, the customers and the members that a lot of institutions simply had ignored, thinking they'll never come online, they'll never use digital. Well, guess what? They are here. They're here, they're using the service, and man, um, do they have a lot of potential. Well, and I think there isn't enough thought around because of like you just said oh they'll never use it so and they haven't to date let's just ignore them that we don't spend enough time thinking through they they'll use it but they're going to use it in a different way right you know let's face it there are at this point people who like have been on facebook longer than their kids are who are in their 50s like look at you know you and i our facebook <laughs> accounts are older than our youngest kids we can figure out technology at this point so when you think of that world of we need to engage all of our customers and think about you know how they use technology and where it fits, how does a bank get started on that? Well, I think it's it's really asking their customers. And a lot of those conversations right now can take place in the branch, presuming the branches are open in certain parts of the country. That's obviously not a given. Um, the, the reimagination of the drive-through, right, as a, as a place not only to support those customers and members, but also to support conversations. Uh, the utilization of the branches to um, serve as the most important marketing channel for digital capabilities, right? Walk into a branch and instead of seeing auto loan rates, 
I want to see your new payment capability that you have available and show me how to use it, right? It's that kind of a, a mindset. And then finally, understanding that more and more um, of your customers and members across all generations are using your digital channels, specifically mobile, yep. turn the mobile channel into a sales channel for digital services, right? There, it should be two-way communication with customers and members. And what I mean by that is, you know, it's always been this way. If a conversation was initiated with a bank or a credit union, it was always the customer or member, for the most part, that started that conversation. Log in, hey, what's my balance? Walk into the branch, hi, I'm here to deposit a check. It needs to be two-way. That's the model of the future that we need to prepare for. And that's where the interoperability benefits of open banking really make that possible. Well, and we often neglect one of the greatest assets we have as banks and credit unions is the wealth of data that resides. That I was in a conversation with a banker two or three years ago, and I thought he made a very great observation that if you look at the fintechs, they consider you know the gold to be the data they hold, and they then build products to go monetize it. We in banking and you know in the credit yeah. union space, we build products that is a byproduct, gives off data, and we're not sure what to do with it, so we just kind of lock it up, right? Like our vault is no longer filled, you know, with people's uh, you know cash and valuables. It's now filled with people's data that we haven't unlocked yet, and I think that's part of the promise that you're alluding to within open banking is how do we unlock that? But that's also seems pretty scary because that's a mind, mindset shift. It is, and you know, customers have expressed uh, considerable concern over the years about their data being shared. And that's something that, that, that is talked about quite a bit with open banking is, okay, so now banks and credit unions will share my data with the fintechs. I think we're past the whole discussion around whether or not data should be shared. Data shared all the time. Data is widely available on the internet. Customers are getting over that barrier in my mind um, that, um, that their data is gonna be locked up somewhere in a vault. Mm. What is now most essential is, okay, how do we protect that data? What are we doing to protect that data so the circle of trust in financial services is preserved? That's a different conversation than the one well, we've had in, in the years past. Well, and I think this is why when, you know, back to the buzzwords we throw around, partnership is not just the new way of describing, well, it's really vendor management, but that's no longer politically correct. So we call it partnership and it sounds better, right? You know, it <laughs> plays for the audience better, but that circle of trust trust and that usability and the value that needs to come from the data being shared is what I'm hearing, you know, you speak to in how it becomes customer centric and what's in it for them in these partnerships. Sure, it's what's what's in it for them, uh, what's in it for the customers, but also what's in it for the financial institution. You know, there's a one way of looking at this is, you know, how do you expand your delivery channel network? You had asked about channels earlier. Well, look at open banking as the extension of a, a financial institution's delivery channel network, right? We had branches, now then we had online banking, we had mobile banking, we had tablet banking, and now think open banking, right? Yeah. So that continuum says, all of a sudden, as an institution, I'm not limited by geography. I'm not limited by the doors that I myself can open. I tell this story, and I think I've shared this with you too, Jason, the you know, financial institution in the Midwest, absolutely killing it in pharmacy loans in the Midwest. They are on top of their game and yet limited by the fact that they can't really go outside their region. They don't have the, the ability, the bandwidth, the capability, the resources. So through FinTech partnership, 
they're able to gain access to whole new markets and with them really providing the underlying foundation, the architecture and the products. So the possibilities are really endless. That of course all presupposes that we can exchange and share data securely. And it also presupposes that we can share banking functionality uh, as well. In this case, pharmacy lending. Yeah, I'd be remiss if I didn't push back a little bit and say there are major portions of the industry would say the greatest challenge to innovation for them in this data exchange is the cores make integration difficult. Fair statement? You know, I think that is a fair statement. And, um, you know, a lot has happened over the past years to turn that around. And I'm so glad you brought that up because when you look at what open banking really makes possible, open banking makes possible revolutionized customer experiences, meaning right? Brand new, brand new customer experiences that um, are going to require a whole lot more than integration in a modern context. They're going to require not only best in class solutions that support channels, that support products, all of that's a given. They're also going to require open real-time course, because if that data can't move in real time, that's not necessarily a limitation of the interoperability. It can be a limitation of the core system. So yes, fair, fair criticism, one we take very seriously and exactly the reason why we have over the past several years um, been pivoting to real time in our cores. We've been transitioning to cloud. Uh, so there's a lot of work that we've been doing to be able to provide the possibilities of open banking that span interoperability, core systems, opening those and also the best in class solutions that that power the products. So, you know, it's great to hear the Fiserv speaking openly, you know, about that and the need to move to this real time. And I think culturally, this is going to be a mind shift for a number of the banks too, that you know, their culture, their strategies are also going to have to move in real time. How should banks, you know, especially those that aren't, you know, fully embracing open banking APIs, fintech partnerships today, begin to lay the groundwork? What should they be doing today to get themselves ready for that? Well, I think they should be in, in very close strategic conversation with their, their core provider, right? Especially as you go down market, you start moving beyond the very large banks. Uh, that conversation has to be taking place about um, what do we need to do to be ready for the FinTech era? That's the question every financial institution in the world should be asking themselves. How can I be fintech, fintech compatible? Uh, what do we need to do to ensure that we have the right interoperability model? We're doing the right things around data and certainly also uh, in terms of uh, understanding what that tran transformed customer experience should look like. Have those conversations. They, they should be taking place already. So, you know, as we close this out, what else goes on the list of phrases that you think are misused, potentially should be banned from the industry entirely? <laughs> well, um, it's a buzzword bingo, right? Yeah. Every, every, every year. You know, one of my favorites, I guess, is journey. We use it a lot, too, here at Fiserv, the customer journey. Uh, every few years, we come up with something new. Yeah. Ecosystem. That's one that we use a lot, too. Oh yeah, the, what, the, an ecosystem what does that of even journeys. mean? The ecosystem of journeys. That see, that could be a title of of your of a blog. That sounds yeah, great. Well, give me some time, and I will do that. So thanks, <laughs> Virginia, for taking the time, you know, to share your thoughts on the future of open banking with 
and really the the lowercase o, the lowercase b, because it is coming, whether legislated or not. You know, people can debate whether we have the equivalent of PSD2 for banks and credit unions in the U.S. And you've made a very strong case. It doesn't matter. It's here. That's right. Blistering pace of innovation. Thank you for joining us. Look for future episodes of Forward at Fiserv.com slash forward and soon on major podcasting platforms.